to the Sprocket Podcast, where we're simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains, transit, adventures, and life hacks. And today, you've all been waiting for this. Our Pedalpalooza wrap-up. Pedalpalooza 2017. Yes. This might have been one of the better Pedalpaloozas I've uh, I've experienced this year. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That definitely was for me. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and, the, and we have Armando um, with us. Armando Luna, who made famous by Bike Portland article. Yay. The face of bike fun. I think is, is that is that something? The article has, like said something to that effect, right? Yeah, I don't remember. What it was. <laughs> Fun ab- ambassador, or something like that. Um, and as you keen listeners have figured out, Brock is not here this week. He's out in Colorado. So with us we have Guthrie Straw. Hello. And Guthrie will be with us. Uh, are you going to be here next week too? Yes, I yeah. will be. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Guthrie is filling in while Brock is away. So, uh, welcome. How was your week? My week was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, lots of heat here in Portland and lots of biking outside. So, between the two, I'm a little happier for a slightly less hot day. But all in all, a, a good day to be on a bike. As yeah. is every day, in fact. I suppose. <laughs> when I think about it. I mean, well, you were one of the few people I know that biked throughout all of the, the snow and crud and all of that that we Oh, yeah. You even came to the studio in the snow and crud and all of that. Yeah, it takes it's it takes quite a bit to get me off of a bike for most extensive purposes. It has happened, but uh, for the most <laughs> part, bike's a pretty good way to go, at least so far as I'm able to discern. Right on. And Armando, you've been, you've been riding in that snow, too. Yeah, but I, I switched out bikes. I switched out for my daily commuter to a mountain bike when it got really oh, nice. snowy and icy and icky. So. Yeah, definitely. Right around that one week period where people were like, huh, this is going to stick around a little while. Well, there was a TNR and people were riding around on their road bikes with slicks. I'm like, how are you doing that? <laughs> and they were staying upright. Never yes. Did. I can't believe that. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And we're enjoying pie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> delicious pie. <laughs> Made by my girlfriend, Anna, because of the Twin Peaks ride. That you hosted, Armando. Yeah, and, my first ride. Um, she made the first ride for I that. hosted. For, yes, first ride you led, and we'll talk about leading rides in a minute. But she made pie for that, and you did not get a piece, and so we're we, posing right now. Yay! <laughs> Selfie. Uh, so she felt bad and wanted to make another pie, so that she made sure you would have some. Um. Thank you, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, bike tours. Yep. Um, Tell us more. <laughs> bike tours in terms of stuff here in the city or, or just general plans for the rest of the summer? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Um, mostly asking, um, you know, with the recent heat wave, mm-hmm. has, it, has it impacted your... Oh. Uh, your job at all yeah i mean a little bit definitely when it gets up to be you know 95 to 100 degrees there um most folks reconsider stepping out into the heat uh but uh typically the tours we offer are in that city environment so in that regard 
it's not often that you're out for more than two to two and a half hours. And so that amount out in the heat, definitely doable. Uh, the main trick is just to drink lots of water and then take that, double it again and drink a little bit more. And <laughs> by the end of it, you might have to pee, but at least you are hydrated. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you take it's, more breaks? Uh, yeah, typically. So we modify our stops a little bit. Um, and for a little bit of context, uh, we're talking about Cycle Portland, uh, which is my day job here in town, uh, taking folks around town as well as a full service bike shop in Old Town Chinatown. And in that regard, um, we'll modify our stops and try to basically take as much advantage of shade as physically possible. So um, some of the places that we stop have very specific views, and that view might be just modified in some sense, but absolutely worth that trade-off for getting into the shade. Because um, the last thing you want is for somebody to get heat stroke or dehydrated on a tour, because then it's no fun for anybody. <laughs> you ever change up your route? Because you know, like, you know, oh, the sun's at this angle. So that way the mm -hmm. sh the shades are going to be over here. Yeah, you'll we'll change it up a little bit. A lot of times it's uh, where you'll have sort of a different route just slightly in the morning versus the afternoon because as the sun sort of progresses over, you're going to find yourself stopping maybe a street over or just on the different corner of a block. Um, so like little minor modifications, but just kind of all about pre-planning, knowing you'll have good stops where you can fit just about five to ten people and comfortably into the shade and... Yeah, have a good info stop, talk a little bit about the city, and then go from there. Right on. Um, well, <clears throat> most of you listeners might already know, but I have been somewhat homeless through the summer. Uh, Anna and I are house-sitting for a friend of ours, mm -hmm. and so we are not on any lease or anything at this point. Mm -hmm. And we've been spending <clears throat> what time we have together looking for apartments. Mm -hmm. And hopefully... Uh, by tomorrow, we will have known whether or not we got this place we've been looking at. Like, nice. There's, I don't know. Like, has this happened to you with with your partner or with you, Armanda? Like, looking for a house or or somewhere to stay with a partner, and you're like, kind of arguing over like the very specific wants that you or mm. hopes that you have for your place. Um, it's never really major, mm -hmm. but. It can get kind of, um, uh, I don't know, it can like kind of just grind you down mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. You know, you get kind of like, is there going to be a place that is going to match all of our criteria? Mm -hmm. You know? I think it depends on the criteria too, because like definitely some things can be feel or be more nitty gritty than others. I think the biggest one for Jane and I when we moved from southeast up to northeast was uh, giving up Mount Tabor Park. And yeah. I had no clue. Because we had a spot that was pretty far out, but within about 15 or 20 blocks of Tabor there. And giving that up um, actually was much more of a difference than I had anticipated. And she had really enjoyed being able to just sort of step out the door and in 15 or so minutes be in the park. And that was, I think, the big one for us, at least as, in terms of, you know, issues or things that we were looking for that I could see. Because we got a really neat spot, but also the trade-off was, you know, you know about an hour from the park or something like that, <laughs> right. which just doesn't make it as accessible there. And I mean, Mount Tabor is very, it's a very specific park. Yeah. Like, there really yeah. isn't it's another kinda, one in the city. Precisely. Like it's, it. it's, it's for those who've not been, it's kind of that, uh, I'd say the only park on the east side of Portland that you can step into and feel like you're not in the city anymore. Um, cause everything else is quite a bit smaller, whereas Tabor's pretty expansive. And it's a pretty easy climb and you can still see most of the city mm -hmm. from various angles. Yeah. You know, rather, it, for views like that, 
Um, I'm thinking on the west side, you know, Piddick Mansion, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a hell of a climb. Oh, yeah. I don't know um, if I've been up to Piddock in like six or seven years. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, it's one of those things I did like once or twice when I first got into town. And I just, it's 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 a hill. I'll do Skyline, but I, I never like shoot over to Piddock really? from that. Yeah. See, I, now I'll do Piddock mm. every now and then. Okay. It's been a while, but I'll do a Piddock every now and then. I hate Skyline. I only do Skyline for like Tavern Tuesdays, though, where you can take the trail out through Forest Park. Uh-huh. And then you sort of hop onto Skyline oh, up north near Germantown. Okay. Yeah, so and then you just take bomb. like Saltzman. Up. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. You take okay. Saltzman or just hit it at Thurman, kind of on the Northwest Industrial District. And then from there, you're probably about 15, 20 minutes on Skyline before you hit Skyline Tavern. Makes for a nice uh, bike to beer. Yeah, and then that's not too bad. After you've had your evening, uh, just hop on down Germantown, back over St. John's, or at least in our case. <laughs> I've ridden up to Council Crest, but never to Piddick. Yeah, Piddick's, oh, really? Piddick's up there. If you can get Council Crest, you can get Piddick. Oh, I didn't say I did it more than once, so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, Mount Tabor is pretty accessible mm-hmm. and, you know, versus, yeah, there really isn't anyone, any other park like that mm-hmm. that's really as easy to access, but still have that kind of view. Yeah. So you gave that up and you moved into like the Northeast, mm-hmm. the inner Northeast. This is true. Um, so what is the, I don't know, did you find a, a substitute or some way to kind of like trade that off? Or um, I think what our trade-off was is that uh, since we have a cat, it was a larger yard space. So the ability for our cat to be happy and, and comfortable in our yard, which was pretty much non-existent at the yeah. other spot, uh, is actually a pretty good trade-off. Because he likes to wander and he's a really sweet cat in the sense that if you're outside, he wants to play and sort of be around you. So having that expanded space, while not a park, was, I'd say, a good trade-off because we could spend more time with him outdoors there. Oh, right on. Is it an indoor cat or a wandering cat? Uh, it's a, Nick is an a indoor cat in most sense that um, he's kind of our baby. And so <laughs> we, like to, we like to pamper slash uh, pay lots of attention to him. And he's, he's an incredibly sociable cat, too. So like I've grown up with cats my entire life. We've had growing up probably 13 or 14 cats over various pieces of time. And I can say without a doubt of any cat I've met in my lifetime that this cat is the most uh, personable in terms of just having this vast expanse of characteristic to this cat. Um, Yeah, you'll you'll never meet another Nick the Cat. Um, And he's a curmudgeon, but at the same time, when he's got a soft spot for you, uh, everything just really connects nicely. So, yeah, fun, fun cat to spend some time with. Most of our most of our requirements for um, the apartment have been like what a lot less about like the area mm-hmm. of where we're going to live. Although geography plays a role in how it how it um, uh, pertains to our commute. Mm-hmm. Um, but, is it more like amenity based? Or yeah, yeah, yeah very totally. much. I could like, definitely see that. What is the kitchen like? Yep. Are we gonna have oh, are we gonna have room for our bikes? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, every time we've talked to somebody who showed us an apartment, and they're like, "Well, do you got do you got a lot of stuff?" Because you mm-hmm. know, just about every time we've we've seen an apartment, we've one of the first things we say is like, uh, "I don't know, this might be on the small side." For yeah, us. yeah. And of course, like it's hard can, in the bike world too. Where you're like, yeah. I need at least like X amount of space, just baseline, because yeah. these yeah. are my projects. <laughs> we had one lady she was like so do you well do you have a lot of stuff and anna like 
kind of sheepishly was like, well, there's five bikes between the two of us. <laughs> the lady just couldn't quite wrap her head around it. She's mm-hmm. like, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> Who would own and, five bikes? Well, and without missing a beat, Anna's like, well, because we haven't built a sixth one yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the uh, perfect answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have five bikes because we don't have six. <laughs> uh, but we did, so... Hopefully by tomorrow we'll know that we've we found a place. This is like uh, not quite inner. Well, it's it's just outside Lloyd mm-hmm. area. Oh, nice. Um, so like 20th and Irving. Oh, for yeah. For those of you who who are in the Portland area, you know where yeah, that is. Yeah, that's a great spot. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That area? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's just. It's going to be an easy commute for me. It's going to be mm-hmm. an easy commute for Anna. So that yeah. that was like uh, one. Of, that's like number one. Oh yeah. Number for two sure. is like, what is the stove? Yep. What is the stove like? And man, <laughs> nobody's nobody's operating a gas stove anymore. Yeah. And that was like, that was like the ideal. One. Like if we found yep. a place with a uh, with a gas stove, we wouldn't even bother looking at it. Mm-hmm. We're just like apply now. Yep. <laughs> Um, this one didn't have a gas stove, but it's like about as wide as our table here. So, you know, it's a couple feet, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, nice, a lot of space for, for cooking and and baking and which you see, we enjoy doing. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So those are, those are the important things. I think, Um, I think like same deal as like a lot of amenities for our spot is like, they didn't matter at first. And it's now that, you know, if I, if we were looking for another place or if we, um, we're thinking like super long-term about the place that we're in right now. It's like, Oh, you know, I'm almost at the point right now where we've replaced like a shitty washer three times. And <laughs> yeah. to be fair, our landlord's been very gracious <laughs> about replacing it. But if you buy something that's, you know, $75 off the back of who knows where he finds these things, yeah, you know, it's, you're only going to get so much out of that. And so I'm almost like, you know, if we like all chip together, <laughs> would you buy a better washer if we were willing to contribute right. some portion I won't name a number, but some portion to the cost. For the next three months, we will pay X amount more rent. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't like to get ideas planted, but that's, that's, true. that's, that's true. been one. <laughs> uh, Armando, what was like your searching for a house and or apartment or whatever? What was like one of your main things that you were looking for? Well, it's interesting. When I first moved here, I lived downtown. Well, I stayed with friends first in Northeast, and mm-hmm. I moved downtown right downtown by where Safeway is. Okay. Sort of northwest there. Then I moved to northwest, uh, northwest Lovejoy and 25th, right there. Then I moved to northeast, like 15th and Broadway. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wanted to stay in her. And I knew, because I was a bike rider, mm-hmm. and I knew I was not going to commute my car. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to move out past 39th. I don't know if you can do that now <laughs> yeah. with rent and yeah. buying a house and if you're actually buying a house. Oh, for sure. Um, but I was lucky because when I got married, my uh, wife, Lisa, at the time, had purchased a house in Hollywood. Ah. So I didn't have to buy a house. I, I have to buy it now after we are no longer married. Um, but so I still live in Hollywood. And mm. it's awesome. And I believe this summer, I believe we're working on going car free. Mm-hmm. And I say we with my children, who I have half the time. So we've been practicing, you know, not having, not using the van, not, mm-hmm. not using it for things. 
planning ahead of time. I need to know where you need to be <laughs> yep. if it's far away, things like that. So it's going pretty well. We, you know, we're using some of the car sharing services and I'm a member, you know, Zipcar and mm-hmm. Reach Now and car to go do your kids like ever like are like come on dad just just use the minivan just yes and, mm. we can actually my son wanted to go to the mall to the way to the game store to get something game stop mm-hmm. video store video game yeah. store and i talked about riding but oh we didn't have his we didn't have his bikes or i don't know i didn't want to i don't like to park my bike at lloyd yeah no it's, <laughs> it's like it's, sketch <laughs> zone exactly. i've i've done it but i i feel horrible was, every time yes. yeah we would we, one of the you, things you can't, we you found can't be out, in, you can't be in there short enough looking, to park your bike yeah. there mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the things we found out when we were looking for apartments because mm-hmm. you know anna's so thorough mm-hmm. she went ahead and looked at you know where's where's like one of the the bike thefts really happening where yep. are the big areas and like, yeah. a lot of it came out of Lloyd. Yeah. Yes. Uh, bike so. index will put a heat map out every now and then. And yeah. Lloyd's always just like red danger zone. <laughs> I feel like somebody like, like mall security should just stand at the bike racks and be like, be warned for danger. <laughs> I, I parked my bike at one of the bike racks. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was back when I had actually two U locks at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't feel too bad. Like you know, you would lo- I would U lock the uh, the rear wheel to the frame, and then U uh, lock with the other U lock the frame to the to the lock mm-hmm. or to the rack. Mm-hmm. Um, and my front wheel's not a quick release, so I didn't feel too bad about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now with only one U lock, I don't. Yeah. I'm not sure if I would. In all honesty, even even though you know I I don't have a quick release front wheel, mm-hmm. it's still I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I would. So we ended we ended up driving. <laughs> okay. I mean, we could have maxed it down there, but we ended up driving. Mm-hmm. So they they still you know they, yeah. they 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 know the convenience of driving our own vehicle. Right. Right. So. And do you work you work downtown or okay, OHSU? OHSU. Okay. <laughs> but I ride down to go by bike, mm-hmm. take the tram. Up. Yep. Absolutely. And that. Um. So I'm curious about that because I've been talking with a lot of different people in terms of what they consider to be. Like everybody has that distance, so for you that would be 39th Street, for example. Like well, how was, far? And now I'm now I'm beyond that. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't gonna. Did you yeah, find, but you're like at 44th. Difference? Like it's yeah. really yeah. not it's that really far. Oh, I don't know that extra that <laughs> extra 75 seconds. Uh, but no, I'm curious about this because um, when we were living down in Southeast, we were out in the like low 70s uh, along Clinton Street, and I always felt like that was a very accomplishable. Oh, that's totally fine. Distance, yeah. um, but you know, you'll talk to folks who are in the twenties and are like, Oh, that's way too far. Or you'll talk to people who are out 180th or so. Um, and I've had a friend who lived out there and he would come in every single day. And so it's interesting to me, like where that, where that line rests for everybody is like, depending on the infrastructure and the neighborhood, like how far people are either willing or not willing to, to use that as a motivational factor. Oh, I think, yeah, I think it totally depends on the infrastructure mm-hmm. you have that infrastructure. Yeah. Cause people I think if I, if I didn't have Clinton down in Southeast, like I would have been same deal. I would have been out in like the late, like the high twenties or the high thirties. Right. Um, but with Clinton street there, it makes it doable. If I had to do the same thing on Foster Boulevard or something, it would have been like no deal. Just forget about it. Right. It's not, yeah, it's not as easy as, um, just sort of like drawing a circle around mm-hmm. your work and going, okay, here's my, here's, here's my, my range. Yeah, exactly. You know, a lot of it does have to depend on like where are the main bike ways into mm-hmm. work or into wherever I need to go. Mm-hmm. You know, up working up on Marine Drive, I've got Vancouver or I've got 33rd. And yep. those are really the only two uh, routes to get up there. Mm-hmm. 
What's uh, your so, What's your poison? So what's my poison? Oh, which one do I yeah, normally yeah, take? Thirty yeah. third. Okay. Um, not not very fond of it, but mm-hmm. it's better than having to bike from where I'm at right now, like way out, you know, near eighty second, bike all the way to to Vancouver and then come up. But, yeah. Yeah, I did the uh, I did the sunset moonrise. Oh ride, yes, I've been wanting yesterday. to ask you about. Oh, this. it was awesome. And uh, Sean, you guys were you it. guys were up over Marine Drive. Then, we're at right? uh, Broughton Broughton Beach. Yeah, and uh, on the he Columbia. took us he took us a back way to Thirty Third, where we came up by the golf course. Hmm. Yeah, and it was like, oh, this isn't this we is really nice. We did that at last year's Solstice Ride, and was I that, was that on Gertz Street. As it cuts through, or I don't. Okay, I, I, and I, I've never found it. Yeah, yeah. We, we left from um, PNQs. By, okay, uh, what's that park by PNQs? I have never. No, I don't know it. I'm, I'm blanking too. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, I failed. <laughs> anyway, we left. We cut through the park and went down a street and crossed the other busy. street. I'm gonna map and, this. Just yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> just I, so I know. We went answer. through some industrial areas, and I sort of knew where we were only because I had just been at. Uh, P and Q. No, we were volunteering. My son had to volunteer for. <laughs> I forgot. It's all it's good. On 33rd. And uh, so I recognized where we were. But it was a really nice room. On 33rd and Columbia? By the DMV on 33rd. Oh, okay. Volunteering there. Yeah. Not at the DMV, but no. across the street. <laughs> they from could the use DMV. more. Yeah, where is that? What is that? I can't think I'm of what it is. I'm trying to think too now. You know, they food, they pack food and. It's not the food bank. The food bank. What is it? It is the Oregon food, food bank. bank. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay. So. I recognized where we were because of that. Mm. It was really, it was really nice. And then at that time, you know, Sunday evening, the thirty third wasn't that bad at all. Mm-hmm. So speaking of pedal palooza rides, yeah, uh, yes, not not that we don't have to talk about other things, <laughs> but we we love having you here today for this for one of these reasons is that um, you've had sort of a prolific month. Yes, uh, and so I, I'm not sure. Have you been keeping count of these rides or just kind of? Playing it by ear and going to as many as possible given that moment? I played it by ear mostly. Some rides I knew I wanted to do, like your ride. I knew I was going to do your ride. Yay. Uh, Thank you for coming, by the way. It's it wonderful really to have you. Nice. It was uh, a lot of it had to do, at, and for those of you that didn't see the Bike Portland article, um, Jonathan, Too bad. Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan emailed me and asked me the, the interview questions, and I responded. And then my daughter edited it for me, so that was pretty good. Nice. I, uh, I heard you tell that story. I thought that was pretty <laughs> hilarious. So yeah, I just wanted to look it over, and then she's like, "You can't say this. You can't. You you can't. You have to spell this number out at the beginning of the sentence." <laughs> I'm just going to edit this. I'm like, "All right." <laughs> I just want to go to bed because it was. I did it the night after Brock's Finding Venusburg ride. Oh, that was exhausted. <laughs> and how many miles? That was like that was 60, over sixty. Yeah, yeah. That was over wow. sixty for me. That's a ride. Yeah. But uh, and it was probably the most northern Petapalooza ride. I was thinking about that. Okay, nice. <laughs> what, if anybody's keeping track of that, what would you say um, was was a moment during the ride that you maybe had sort of an expectation, and then you went in, and the expectation was like still met, but in like a completely different way. Did you have any curveballs in terms of you sort of viewing these on the calendar? Because you've not been to all of these rides before. No. Like you might have heard about them. Correct. But was going on them different than, say, the description for them or, or what you'd heard sort of colloquially? I guess the, the ride that was the most different than what I expected was Prom. Like okay. Prom. I had never been on it. And it was super enjoyable. Oh, this enjoyable. was your first year? That was my first oh, okay. year. It was super enjoyable. 
And for a giant ride, you know, hundreds if not thousands, a thousand it's, people. I don't know. It's huge. It's pretty close to loud and lit it as was, far as okay. attendance. Yeah, uh, interesting. It was. Uh, it seemed very manageable. Everybody seemed mostly under control. Everybody seemed to enjoy themselves. I didn't see a lot of nice. you know, ickiness or yeah, or sometimes it gets that way on a big ride for sure. Uh, so I re- I really enjoyed it. It was super fun. We had a super fun time. Nice. What was the longest ride that you went on? Was the Finding, Finding Venice okay. Yeah. Right up to Veniceborg, Washington. Would the shortest one be the um, what is it? The Ding Dong ride or? Actually, oh, the, shorter, yes. the shortest one is more. I, I don't, so I I wanted to do at least one ride or one event mm-hmm. uh, because, like, Breakfast on the Bridges, for example, sure. I called that an event. And because they were on every Friday in June, that they don't normally happen every Friday. To me, that was a, an event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are short ones. I, but the shortest one I probably went on was the Squirrel Jam. Okay. Oh yeah. So tell <laughs> us about this. This because you you showed so I met, it. You I had met a the gentleman that it. that led it at the the ride leaders ride. And he told me about it. He's like, I'm like, what ride are you doing? He's like, the Squirrel Jam ride. What is that? Mm-hmm. He's like, what I'm gonna, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go on Ankeny, and he did it on Ankeny right by City Bikes, okay, right by Twentieth, Seventeenth mm-hmm. there, yeah, yep. And uh, he had a, I guess, a fishing line. I don't know what it was. Stretch across the road, and then he had like a stuffed animal, like a, almost like the groundhog from Caddyshack. <laughs> and he had fishing poles, and they would reel him in. And, and his sons were. Con- um, her sons were on one side, he was on the other side, and as someone would ride by, they'd reel the reel, and hmm. the creature would go jamming across the street. <laughs> I see. And the goal was to learn how to avoid squirrels if they jump out in front of you. Interesting. Did he but, give, like, any hints or anything beforehand? But, or? I, I don't know how he would have. because Sounds like kind of a hidden camera ride yeah, or yeah, something like totally that. Yeah, hidden camera, because people were commuting home, uh-huh. and all of a sudden this thing was <laughs> <laughs> And when he told me the story about it... At, you know, on the ride leaders ride, I was like, I, wow, that sounds like it could be sort of dangerous. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know about this ride. Someone may not take too well. So to I it. showed yeah. up to it and mm-hmm. I, I made a quick little video of me avoiding the squirrel. And then I mm-hmm. just hung out. And next day I went into city bikes and looked for some stuff that I needed and came back out and watched a few times <laughs> people going by. And it, it seemed like most people were were puzzled, but I didn't stay a super long <laughs> okay. time to see if anybody stopped and talked with them. And uh, interesting. Was. was there like a sign saying like, this is what we're doing? I or don't like, remember you've, you've seeing been, a sign. You've been squirreled <laughs> <Yeah>. or something <laughs> like that. Exactly. I don't know. Interesting. I don't, I don't remember seeing a sign and I don't know if that happened or not. That's what, that's kind of what I like about the community nature of it though. Like as I try to explain Puddlepalooza to people, just the sense that if you can think of it, you can do it. Like right. quite literally, yeah. there's no no holds bar on that, and so yeah. like stuff like this where it just pops up, like I would never <laughs> think to do something like that, but I appreciate that that exists, and I think that makes it all the better for being able to post those to the community calendar and and have right. a go at it there. I think a lot of the more interesting rides are the ones where the bike sort of takes the second fiddle position, yep. yeah, you know, for and sure. you know the the theme of the ride is is what is showcased, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Gosh, well, the Ding Ding ride, I guess, is a, is a good example of that because everyone's just oh, sort of making ding noises. Ding mm-hmm. yeah. Granted, it's with a bike bell, so mm-hmm. but yeah, I think uh, one that I'd heard about several years ago, and I didn't have an opportunity to go on it, but a friend had put it together where they had actually reached out to 
I, it sounds like a majority of the tiny home owners in Portland. Oh, right, right. And they, they actually arranged, like, not only was it a ride to these tiny houses to the outside, but they had arranged to actually go inside and get tours of each place. Okay. And this is the sort of thing where if you're looking at, like, tiny home developers or, like, that interest in the market, there's people who, you know, you pay $200, $300 just to be able to go visit, like, three or four houses and learn about them over the course of four hours. But they had lined up, like, 15 or 16 homeowners wow. and just gone pretty much that entire afternoon from That's house really to house cool. to house. Yeah. And I um, hadn't heard about it until afterwards, but it just seemed like a really neat opportunity where, sure, there's bikes at play, but really you're just using them for another purpose in association with Pedalpalooza, like you were talking about Second yeah. Fiddle there. Yeah, I did um, I did one a couple of years ago that was a, a like a bicycle business ride. So we stopped at uh, North Street Bags, and we stopped at when I don't is it Studio Low? Oh yes, Walnut Studio Low. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Studio Low. Um, when they were still in Portland, mm-hmm. we stopped yeah. at their location down in southeast there. And uh, this one business that was more in Montevilla, the um, they did laser laser engraving of wood things. Hmm. But uh, that was a really neat ride, where, hmm. you know. And we talked to the business owners, and they came out and they talked mm-hmm. to us about what they did. And yeah, it absolutely. Was really nice. It was a good ride. Do you have any rides that you went on but then regretted halfway through, or was <laughs> your experience relatively positive? No, it was mostly positive. Okay. Uh, and you don't have you don't have to tell which those rides are, but just curious if if any yeah. fell into that category. Or or I don't ride. think so. I think I think I enjoyed them yeah? all. Okay. Uh, I so I, the other thing I wanted to do is rides that I wouldn't probably normally do, mm-hmm. like the pedal to the metal ride, the heavy okay. metal ride. Um, I probably wouldn't have normally done that. I mean, I don't necessarily dislike heavy metal mm-hmm. thrashy music, <laughs> but it's not my first preference. But okay. it was a fun ride, and I and now I know more people mm-hmm. uh, that are on those rides. So that's to me that's the the part of it is, is for me is socialization. Mm-hmm. It's like getting to meet people and knowing them and like oh there's Aaron. Uh, things like that. And that was the one thing when I led my Twin Peaks ride, we talked about it earlier before we started recording, is uh, I regretted not being able to socialize as much. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because as being the ride leader, I felt yeah. more responsibility to to keep the logistics going, mm-hmm. keep things on schedule, things like that. So And so you attended, so Pedalpalooza every year has uh, their ride leader ride. And that's essentially in the early or preseason where people who are either new or experienced leaders of past and future rides will come together and basically get kind of a tutorial ride with some of the founders of Pedalpalooza for like do's and don'ts. And did you find that ride helpful in sort of informing how you shaped your experience? I did. It okay. Was, it was a, I would recommend it for new ride leaders or maybe even if you're not new, mm-hmm. um, because they had a lot of good tips. Um, even though I think I broke some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like photography where there's rules, <laughs> but if you know why you're breaking it, yeah, then, you, then you can. Like one of the, one of the things they talked about is, don't start a ride where you're going to start it in a bottleneck. Mm. You know? And I started my ride at Peace Park. Oh, yeah. Park. <laughs> I started my ride at Peace Park, and I'm like, okay, but through, we're going to go down the Esplanade, you know. Okay. And, you know, 80 people down the Esplanade. So. Zoom, zoom. Uh, but I, but, I, but I from that point, about it. I let from people that know point, about it. Like, yeah. There, you had no choice. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to bottleneck one way or another. Right. Why didn't mm. it win a different way? You could have gone over the top of the steel bridge. That that wouldn't have been a bottleneck at all. <laughs> no, no, that wouldn't. Except that, we, that was not the route. So, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. That was one of the rules I broke. But uh, the other thing I I was expecting a lot of people because 
I didn't even want to necessarily have the Twin Peaks ride, but mm-hmm. nobody had it. And then Twin Peaks, the new season was coming out. Okay. And I didn't see it on the calendar. Wait, and was like, this a ride that like happened in the past? No, not that no. I know of. Okay. But, uh, I, I mean, it could have. I don't remember. I don't it. remember seeing it. But nobody had it on the calendar. And I'm like, you can't not have the Twin Peaks ride. And so I put it on the calendar. Mm. And so as we got closer and closer, I kept kept coming up with more ideas. But the other thing I did, I actually had like prizes and things that I bought, like the Twin Peaks oh, heart. Yeah, I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> Which Aaron, Aaron and Anna won. Yeah. And I I had a key change from the Great Northern. They mm-hmm. make those. And okay. so I gave some of those away. And like really um, went all out on this the theme. Diary of Laura Palmer. I gave it to a woman that actually dressed up like Laura Palmer. And she, oh, nice. She did a really good job. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that was sort of fun. Um, I I don't know. I wanted to have more events like I, like for the necklace. I actually wanted people to find it like in the coconut. Oh yeah, from the series they find it in the coconut. Oh, right, or, right. Or dig it up out of the ground. Spoiler but, alert! From like twenty five oh, years yeah, ago. You, <laughs> you know, and actually have a uh, a dummy wrapped in plastic along the river. With, <laughs> like, but I you know, I I had to have somebody to put it there and right. immediately take it away as we left. So right. you nobody called the cops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, um, and your experience, because so you had mentioned this uh, to me, and I think before we started recording, you preferred not being a leader uh, versus like being a participant. Um, what? Yeah, where? Where is the big? Um, um, what am I trying to say? Like what? Yeah, what is the big differences for you? Oh, I, I, versus... I didn't feel like I got to talk to enough people okay. um, because there were a lot of people dressed up and I talked to maybe a third of the people that were in costume. Mm-hmm. So the other you know, two thirds I didn't get to meet or talk to, which I would have loved. I mean, you're going to come to a ride and you're going to dress up in a costume. You know, I, I want to meet them. I want to talk to them sure. and find mm-hmm. out why they did it or what <laughs> makes, you know, Twin Peaks the ride for them. Right. But I, I expected to have people that weren't necessarily bikey people. Uh-huh. And so I didn't want the the route to be super hard or super mm-hmm. draining or like, oh, mm-hmm. this sucks, you know. So my daughter was n- not impressed with the distance. That she was, said it was, it, was too too <laughs> it was too short. How long was it? Uh, I don't know. It was maybe it was three miles. miles. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Not yeah. very long at all. Super what busy. What is it? Three stops? I guess three including Three total stops, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was a good like ending spot, though. Yeah, I thought that it was. That was a perfect spot Yeah, that was a good stop at. at. Yeah. I thought so. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want it to go too late because my kids were on the ride. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what What do you think prevented you from, like, socializing, though? Just feeling that I wanted to make sure everything was going okay for people and mm-hmm. okay. they were enjoying themselves. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Sort of that, like, higher level awareness of the overall right. ambiance and cohesiveness. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So you're a ride leader. Well, you that's your job in yep. a way, yep. <laughs> but, but also this you, is true. you've led, Professional you've led ride leader. Yeah, I actually, I actually get paid to ride my bike around town. <laughs> it's not too bad of a deal. Um, like, do you, do you feel like the same, uh, pressure? I oh guess? yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I mean like it, it, I, like I feel that pressure. Like I, I manage that pressure differently kind of depending on the circumstance. And a lot of times that pressure is directly proportional to like, is this going how I planned or is this not going how uh, I planned? Okay. Um, but, that's one of the nice things about doing, you know, two to three rides a day for five days a week for five years in a row is you get really used to kind of just rolling with those punches. Okay. Um, and so like, I always want, I always start from a point of wanting it to do really well. 
and most of the time it does and then every now and then there's just that one or two things that that sort of can throw a ride off and so you try to negotiate and sort of evaluate where those factors are at and then if if possible solve them um but i think that overall like the type of ride that i do is a little bit more contained uh in terms of like the work capacity so we have pre-vetted routes and so we're not going to be just like throwing people on burnside and just hopping up to 20th or something like that so we we try to definitely focus on streets which are um going to be bike friendly or at least bike amiable in terms of getting to different places maximum capacity correct yeah yeah. and so that's that's part of our insurance requirement but also i would probably do it anyway um because for our tours we will cap at 10 so we have a 1 to 10 guide ratio and um I went to school for this like back in college and so it it's where a lot of that knowledge has been sort of like formatively approached and and sort of ingrained but then you take that and you can apply it to different settings so I might use different skills for mountaineering and taking people up hood than I would for example taking people throughout the city of Portland but one of the things that's really enjoyable and not to say that um, I don't enjoy the rides we do day to day, but we also get a lot of customer requests. And so that's pretty fun because then it's a nice challenge and you get to t- look at how to meet those expectations and also help people have a really great time. In addition to sort of finding new routes throughout the city that fulfill all of these requirements in terms of safety and, uh, you know, bail off options and, and the like. So we had a group uh, about two, three weeks ago uh, as part of the tapas tour sort of world tapas day um there's a, a group called i did not realize there that, was a world tapas day that's okay um <laughs> <laughs> i didn't either until these folks got in touch with us uh but there's a there's sort of a, a, a agency in spain which sort of looks to promote the tapas culture and that cuisine around different international destinations every year and um they actually i was i was really impressed with their strategy in terms of getting people involved with that and the outreach in terms of like local papers and such but we we're like, yeah, okay, well, like, we can throw this together. We'll open up, you know, 20 slots. And those slots sold out in about five minutes after the oh article gosh. went out live. And we, we just got calls and calls and calls of, like, can you open up more? Uh, <laughs> so we, we um, you know, always try to not bite off more than we can chew. So we, we capped it at 20, and that was that was that for the day. So we did kind of an east side and a west side. Uh, but that's, that's, for me, like, part of that that I really enjoy is really putting together those sort of really tailored moments and uh-huh. not only having folks join us in those experience but also like i'm experiencing that too uh-huh. and so um i got to go to some really cool tapas places around town and uh you know share and sort of gain knowledge from that so um in terms of taking tours like you you totally just have this different gear with, that you switch into like when you're a participant versus when you're a ride leader and i think the biggest part is yeah, just like you were talking about, Armando, is you, you, you have these different levels that you approach things. And so your success is based on whether your participants are having fun or not even that. But if they're being successful, you're helping them be successful. Whereas if you're on a ride, your success is literally like, am I having fun or am I not having fun? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that paradigm just completely changes. Um, and it's good in both senses. But I definitely think that your approach is good and that, you know, lead, lead a little bit, ride a lot. And so you get kind of the best of both worlds there. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Um, I, I've not done one of your professional rides, mm-hmm. uh, but I did do the uh, filmmakers uh, mm-hmm. ride, mm-hmm. film by bike, and Guthrie led our group. Oh, oh yeah, Guthrie's group. And the one thing I noticed, we were on coming back from. I think we were coming back from Chris King. Yeah, yep, yep. And uh, we had a very sassy driver. Oh yeah, we did. And uh, 
Guthrie was very calm, and I, he just—he was just very professional in the way he handled it. And you know, the group. There are people, a couple of people on the group were ready to not be so professional. Sure. But I think just from his presence of being professional, it toned everybody else down along with him. Mm-hmm. And I think it went really well. I mean, as much as I wanted to yell at this person, mm-hmm. you know, I, I did not yell at this person. <laughs> you have to, you have to kind of put that inner voice aside for a moment. Yeah. And that, and that just, that comes down to kind of how I approach it is when you're cycling, you are sort of a vocal piece for yourself but when you're leading a ride you are sort of an ambassador of cycling and so i always try to present the rides that i take out in the most positive light and this is what i tell our new guides all the time is like we want to be the best users of the road so that everything else falls back behind that like let's start with being as as good as we can about getting throughout town like if you have to wait an extra two seconds because there's a pedestrian about to enter into that crosswalk that's great let's wait let's give them that right away and so just being that positive face and that really sort of, um, you know, face of cycling that is aware of the rules and is trying as best we can to sort of, you know, put ourselves into that landscape and be really great users and ambassadors of cycling in that regard. Um, that's, to me, what's really important about those types is that if we can do that and people have a great time, that's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, that's good. I like that to be to be the best, to be the yeah, because example. Yeah, and another way to think about it is our 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 name is on our shirts and the you know phones <laughs> on the back. So I mean, they 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 oftentimes one person didn't, but they oftentimes know where to call. So I mean, that's yeah. that's one component of it. But I think more on a general level is just that perception about cycling. There's already so many things that people will sort of straw man or point to in terms of scofflawism within that realm. And anything we can do to fight that perception is going to be work well done. Oh, they just call it Bike Portland. Bike Portland, you guys. Are- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. We we um yeah we had one where somebody uh like left a review, and I won't get too much into this, but they were basically like, "You were riding one way down a wrong way street and on the sidewalk," and I'm like, "Are you sure that?" it's the same tour company because like all all of our routes are pre-vetted and i can guarantee you none of them go the wrong way down a one-way street uh are you sure that was us so i mean so it goes and you'll you'll get that person who's just gonna have a bad day here or there um but you try to look at the overall picture and and not let it get you down too much so back to being a participant then armando yes how many you tried to do a ride per day. day What day did you do the, or yeah, what was the most rides you had in a day? I think the most rides in a day was three. Well, uh, rides and events. So okay. I think there was one Saturday. I went to the uh, the swap meet, the northern swap meet. Oh, yeah. And I was going to come back and I was going to stop at Villacote because they had the Villacote uh, classic bicycle show, uh-huh. whatever. Mm. So I was going to stop by there. But on the way, I'm like, oh, wait, they're doing the. Uh, the psychedelic ride is meeting at Irving Park, and I was going right by there. So I stopped there, and I saw some people I knew. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I'm totally going to jump on this ride, even though I wasn't. You know, it's mm-hmm. funny because we were talking about they were dressed up in these psychedelic 60s clothes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I was born in the 60s, so that's why I'm on this ride. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that ride. And then right straight from there, I missed my chance to go home. Straight from there, uh, I ended up going with Eric Iverson, and we rode to the Pedal to the Metal. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So that was a long day. I didn't plan it. It just turned out that way. <laughs> what is, speaking of long days then, like what is a, a a hint 
for people who are taking long days like that uh, to, I don't know, survive. Or oh, I broke all my be, rules. You know, yeah, you, yeah. you got to have all your stuff with you. you yeah. Mm. And I, I didn't have all my stuff with me. Oh, really? No, I had, I was totally not prepared. I mean, I just, I didn't have things with me because I was going to the uh, swap meet. I was expecting right. maybe to buy something, mm. so I wanted space on my bike to bring things home. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I didn't end up buying anything. But so normally, what would you have with you? Uh, things, nice things to have with you on a ride: cash, cash money, and then and or your card if you have a card. But cash money is good to have. Cash is king. Water. Water, a water bottle with water. I don't think I have that. Uh, I like to bring my own beer to rides if I'm having a, a, a beer at the rides. And I have a little, I have this little cooler that I put on my bicycle that holds three beer cans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. and it's Or three soda cans. Three cans, 12-ounce cans. And uh, I didn't have that with me. Uh, and then I don't think I had, I don't think I had an extra tube for my mm-hmm. bike. So that's something you want to have. You know? Yeah. You don't want to flat out on a ride and not be able to oh, yeah. fix it. So That's one thing where I always try to carry like extra tubes and I'll, I'll just carry, like I run 26 tires, but I'll carry 700. I'll carry sometimes, not usually a 20 inch, but like various sizes within because, um, yeah, it usually sucks when you, because you get a lot of people who arrive, not everybody. And you're not, yeah, I mean, obviously a person in this category, but people who are just really fresh to it and oh, like yeah. just not even on that level of consciousness in terms of like, maybe I should have this. Um, and so I always like to bring a couple extra because then when that do- breakdown does happen, you can get that person back on the road. Right. Um, and they don't have to necessarily have like a negative experience with Pedalpalooza just because they got a flat and the ride yeah. left them in the middle of nowhere and they have no clue how to get home. <laughs> exactly. And, and the long day is also um, a charger to charge my cell phone. Mm. Oh. Something that, to, keep, to keep you in charge. Because you gotta keep gramming. Gotta keep in. Instagramming. <laughs> um, what was the big surprise this year? Like a ride you went on that you were like, ah, I don't know, I might like it, I might not. But then it was just like, wow, this is amazing. Oh, I, I never thought it'd be this I good. I guess the most amazing one, the one I enjoyed the most, I should say, yeah, uh, was the Alameda stair carry. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was just going to be hot and hard and just because uh it was done really fast too you guys were done really fast or the other the, the <laughs> everyone people, else that were was, not a triple yeah, i didn't mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> oh the, yeah or oh the yeah city that's right bike, you, were, the, you were on the trip or the, the nike uh, bikes nike bike yep or bike town bike town uh yeah that was uh it was pretty bad so we were on a triple it was a yeah a, and i don't know what else to call you it and john and josh john and yeah. josh is uh, i guess originally the bike belonged to john he gave it to josh and I think that was the first time Josh ever rode it <laughs> since he's got it. So it was a, a, a triple. So it's like a tandem, except it has three seats, hmm. three cranks. Mm-hmm. So three people can ride it. And, uh, it, and where actually, were you in the order? I rode of... in the middle. Okay. And it and I didn't want to steer because I I just didn't want to do that. Was the stair carry? So was that where you physically would portage the bike like up and down yeah, the so staircase? You or you tried the, to ride along? You ride along the Alameda Ridge. Okay. And then you would come to you, like a you, bottom. You come to right the, the bottom of the ridge, yep. and then you carry your bike up to the top of the ridge. Okay, like right around 18th there or so. Yeah. Oh yeah, like yep. from there on all the way up to Rose City. Okay, golf course. Um, so then, then you would just ride back down again and find the next staircase up. And then, oh. So sometimes you would loop. Because Interesting. You have to come back. Okay. And I think there was a total of what ten or twelve. Eleven. Eleven. Think, yeah. Eleven staircases. Wow. And, uh, I think I've only gosh. taken one of those. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so fun! And sometimes they were hard to find, and you're like riding around trying to find the, where it is. Mm-hmm. 
But, oh, my gosh, it was so funny. And uh, Tom Howe was actually on the ride, and so he helped us out a lot, pointing out where the staircases were. He was – I think he was the one who actually mapped it out. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And, uh, gosh, it was funny. I just I just laughed the whole time we were laughing. It was the funniest thing. So that was the one I, I enjoyed the most when I didn't think I was going to enjoy it at all. <laughs> no. But I told those guys I would do it, so – and it was pretty fun. It didn't – its inception didn't sound like something that was meant to be enjoyed but so it, much you, as did, suffered through. Did he have that one the year before? No. Oh, no, that was the first was, time? It was a whole new he, thing. He yeah. did something similar to that, that, didn't he? I don't remember now. Possibly? God, it, it was wasn't fun. That. It was super fun. It was a super fun ride. Do you think, um, so based on the, the volume of rides, were there rides that you previously thought were like, oh yeah, this is like the best ride, and then now that you've had more exposure to, the, to I'd say, the overall event... Do you find yourself reevaluating those which you'd kind of prioritize for next year? Uh, I think I enjoy them all differently. Okay. And I think I think my f- I still think my favorite ride out of everything ever since I've been doing Petapalooza is still the Ding Ding ride. Okay. <laughs> it's such a it's somebody said it was like I explained it to them. If you don't know what the Ding Ding ride is, it's you meet at Lad Circle at a certain time, you start riding at a certain time, and mm-hmm. you ride around for three minutes around Lad Circle. That's just three minutes dinging your bell. And then when it's over, it's just over. And somebody said, oh, so it's like, sort of like a flash mob. Hmm. Like it totally is like a flash yeah. mob yeah. of cycling. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's so fun because in the past when I've done it, I've never known or seen the ride leader. Just people all of a sudden, it's like 730. That's when you start. Okay. So, uh, people, people just, just go. Start riding. Yeah. And then you ding your bell. And then at 733, people just start peeling off and going their own way. Huh. And it just, that's the end. Nice. I'll have to I hit know. that one next I year. Really, I really enjoyed <laughs> that one. So I... I emailed the guy because it wasn't on the calendar. And okay. He did that last year. He didn't put it on the calendar till way late. So I emailed him. I said, hey, are you doing this ride? I didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything, didn't mm-hmm. hear anything. And so finally I was like, okay, I'm going to put it on. You adopted it. I'm going to totally steal this ride. <laughs> so I put it on for Thursday after the Twin Peaks ride. Mm-hmm. And I did it earlier. I did it at 530, I think, which I ended up changing the time a little bit. Um but then he emailed me on that Monday and said, oh, I've just been busy. I haven't put it on there. I, I'll, I'll put it on. And so then he goes, I put it on. It's Wednesday at 7. I'm like, don't, oh, dude, that's my Twin Peaks ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always tricky, too, because there's definitely, like, as as I always try to get mine out, like, not to get it out of the way, but also to get it out of the way. Because then, like, I, I like, I'm like, let's let's be, like, the first ride or one of the first, like, five rides to go out. Because then you can just chill for the month, you know. You've, yeah. you've got your you've got your ride in. I'm not worrying about, like, the 28th of June and something like we're just waiting for this thing and to you, approach. You put yours on the calendar pretty early. Mine too. is always oh, yeah. the first Friday that doesn't conflict with another major ride. Right. And so that's one thing that I've always found um not not frustrating but also but kind of just like a logistic component to leading rides like year over year over year is um just kind of how the calendar settles out and I try to always put it on first because at least that's going to give a larger ride some uh like early warning but for example if if loud and lit wanted to do first fridays like oh there's no way they're gonna compete with that (laughs) so you know it's interesting about that i I wouldn't call like like a pecking order but there's definitely kind of a hierarchy to like when they go on 
in what fashion they go on and what they do that switches like other rides. And so you get the calendar and it, the printed version. And then inevitably, as soon as like World Naked Bike Ride confirms or Loud and Lit confirms, you see all these like cancel, 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 right. like notices because oh, yeah. people are like, oh shit, like, well, nobody's going to show up for that one now. <laughs> um, but it's been interesting to me. And I wanted to ask you guys too, because I, I mean, relatively speaking, I'm pretty new to the scene, having only done Pedal Palooza for like five or six years here now. And I've talked with folks who have been around for longer than that saying or talking about kind of exactly what um, you were alluding to and that the abandonment of like old rides or the, the proposition of new rides. Do you feel like within sort of the Portland cycling community um, and the amount of rides that you went on that there's sort of some like new ride proponents in the crowd? Or do you feel like it's mostly being sort of the same people year over year? Or what do you feel like the consistency of, of that is? Oh, I think there's a lot of new okay. uh, new ride leaders and new ride ideas. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot more. I think the the classic old ones are still there. Uh, it's interesting because I think with the Ding Ding ride, the reason why I was so careful about it is because a friend of mine wanted to do the goth ride, but the goth ride wasn't on the calendar. Mm-hmm. And so she put a goth ride on the calendar, and the the leader of the goth, goth ride, that's my ride. Yep. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, and there's this. I, mean, I don't know if he said it like that, but. Uh, you know, that's what you think. But there was like this <laughs> sense of ownership yeah. that, but, yeah. yeah. Well, well, totally. I mean, I mean, the goth ride, I mean, that's sort of like, it's I a would, classic, it's one. A classic yeah. one, but, but I guess he put it on for July 2nd or something. Oh, okay. So it was not on the Petapalooza calendar because, but it was still, it was technically outside of yeah. Petapalooza. After Palooza hashtag. Yeah. So she, uh, <laughs> so she called it something else and she's like, no, no, I didn't want to step on your toes. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. It wasn't, it's not about that. It was, she was not trying to steal the ride. Yeah. Oh, totally. And I think that's, I think that's where it comes from for most people that kind of adopt or like take over a ride is that you have this thing which you love and then you look at the calendar and you're like, oh, that's not there anymore. Right. So I, I don't know if somebody like, there would be a, like really weird if somebody ever took over the Guthrie ride, but uh, <laughs> B, like I would almost feel like honored that somebody enjoyed it that much that they wanted <laughs> they to wanted keep to that going. It. Yeah. It's like, well, if you, here you it. go. I would do it, but it would be a soft G. Yeah. <laughs> the Guthrie ride. <laughs> So this makes me think, like, if you were to to retire from the Guthrie ride and it showed up on the calendar, like, you would feel okay about that. Yeah, I'd be I'd be okay. perfectly okay with that. But um, it would have to be that route. It wouldn't necessarily have to be. I that's the thing is like I I I don't care too much. <laughs> like, like I just kind of do my thing. But if somebody yeah. wants to take that and morph it, like whatever, that that's fine. Um, I Guthrie with a Y. Exactly. Yeah. Um. I, I guess, like, because I've been looking at, like, ways to not, not like, spruce it up, but somebody, I think it was Phil from Axiom who pointed out last year, he was like, oh, well, I always thought, like, it went out to the Columbia because you sing Woody Guthrie songs. Oh, right, right, And, you right. know, like, Roll on Columbia was one of his uh, Works Progress well, he, Administration. Yeah, he worked with the Bonneville Dam yep. people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was like, you know what? I didn't think about that till you just mentioned it, but that's a really <laughs> good point. There's some, there's some potential here past it just being that thing that I do once a year. Sure. Um, so yeah, anyway, no, I would, I wouldn't be offended at all. Um, I'll, I'll I'm going to keep doing it, but if that ever stops if, and you want to take it over, you heard it here first. You're more than welcome to. <laughs> I like the late start time of yours, mm-hmm. but boy, it started on time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, oh, I, I like, it was not Petapalooza time. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's partially just my nature. And it's also partially like, that's one of my, so I guess we could also talk like pet peeves at Petalpalooza, but that's one of my biggest pet peeves is like rides that say they'll start on time. Um, and then they don't, 
and and that's just not yeah i i don't think i'll ever do a ride like that um but there's actually rides these days that i just don't go to be, or at least if i go like for example world naked bike ride um you know the start time is nine uh, but right. i mean let's be honest it started yeah. at like nine forty-five, maybe right. 10 or something like that well then you're walking your bike oh, for, for like first... a mile or so yeah before. yeah yeah so like so... i i waited until 905 and then i left my house rode for 20 minutes and was still in the first quarter of people starting <laughs> for the world naked bike ride and you know you kind of know that going into it like if you've been around you can right. kind of you can you can design around it but yeah so i i just that's one of my pet peeves is just rides that say they're going to start at a time and then they don't. So I give a leeway, but leeway for me is like three minutes. Mm. Whereas oh, mo- wow. leeway for, um, leeway for, you know, pretty much any other ride. I feel like it's 15 to 30. Okay. I think attached to that, my, my new pet peeve, that used to be my, my biggest pet peeve and it's still pretty up there, but I found a new one. Ooh. <laughs> I found something else to hate on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that is people who arrive to a ride and are like, can you wait like a few minutes before you start? I have a friend that's coming. That's great. And Give him a call. Tell him where the ride's <laughs> going. We're leaving. Yeah, it, it kind of, to me, I don't know. It, it, it's, a, it's a level of presumptuousness mm. or, or uh, I don't know. It's very presuming mm-hmm. to me. And, yeah. and like, you know, I, I know I'm probably more old fashioned than a lot of people. No, I, I think you're but... on the ball on that one. <laughs> I mean, you see that all the time in, so like talking about any tour guiding or industry, yeah. you know, like you, you, like you can say a billion times, like the ride's going to leave at 10, yeah. but you're always, or not always, but there's oftentimes, you know, somebody who's just a little late or somebody who got caught in traffic and you're like, well, we did send you an email when you registered that said traffic sucks. Like, please plan half an hour ahead. And, right. you know, you try to set people up for success. But then you hit that point where it's really like, no, honestly, like these nine people's time who did plan this out and who did make an effort to show up and who did come in and get this fixed early. Like I'm going to prioritize their like time over over your inability to plan ahead. And it's kind of a tough conversation to have sometimes, at least in that guiding circumstance. But I feel like the same references over to Pedalpalooza is like, why would you make a hundred people wait? So that one or two people could get to the start of the ride. I just think it's a, 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 yeah, like you said, presumptuous would be a word. I'd say also like maybe slightly self-centered or something like that. But I just think that, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm with you on that one. (laughs) (laughs) But I deal with it somewhat often. Sure. Armando, what's your your Petalpalooza pet peeve? Petalpalooza pet peeve. (laughs) Wow, I don't know. I never thought about it that way. If you don't have one, that's not necessarily. <laughs> yeah. a, that, that's I okay. Don't I, I don't you don't have to come up with one just for us. Now, I, now I feel bad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> We're the, wait, did we just become the curmudgeons? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess. I guess I just have really low expectations. Everything, <laughs> everything's fun then. Ooh, yeah, I'm taking a leaf out of your book next year. Uh, uh, what was? The longest, well, no, you said yeah. the longest was, uh, was the longest ride, non was Washington finding. ride. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe one that you thought like you could, you could just come and go and you ended up like staying the whole time. Oh, I think it was the, uh, the psychedelic ride. Oh yeah. Because. Oh, right. Cause that went right into the metal ride. Well, I mean, it, it didn't, we, I left from the, to go to the metal ride, but when, but when the ride leader started talking about it, cause I didn't even look up to see what it was, you know, I just saw psychedelic ride at, cause mm-hmm. I sort of looked at all the rides and see what they were like. But it said, uh, the ride leader said, okay, we're going to leave. We left from Irving Park. And uh, it said, we're going to end two miles from here. So I'm like, oh, great. It's only, you know, it's a mm-hmm. super short ride. I'll have time to go home and get all my stuff. 
And then I'm like, that's did they mean you're going to ride for like 20 miles and then come back to yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, that's what. Oh, I totally thought that wrong. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was still an enjoyable ride, and nice. I had a really good time on it. But that one caught me off guard. But I didn't plan for it, so whatever. Yeah. It worked out fine. But it, it was like one of those that you sort of just, it was a surprise. You, you happened was, upon it. It surprised me, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you actually took time off work for Petalpalooza this year as well or at least i took off two days okay. one day for uh the venice borg ride and then one day to plan for the uh twin peaks ride nice. i was still planning at the very end okay you're yeah. still like you were still planning it out oh yeah oh really oh yeah i was still planning exactly how it was going to go and you know i had alternate plans and for you know nobody showing up mm-hmm. or uh, lots of people showing what up. would you have done differently i think if it was a smaller group i would not have gone down the Esplanade. Okay. I would have had a different route planned right. out. So, But I think that worked out the best with as many people as we had. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, like, I didn't feel like a whole lot of conflict from, you know, other users. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it was really nice. Um, there were a couple people on the ride who I have met and known from Thursday Night Ride. And they helped chaperone the ride. Oh, nice. me asking. Oh, really? So, like doing some corking and such? Um, or... Corking and just like, hey, you know, slow down. We, we're, you know, they're lagging back behind. It's getting mm-hmm. spread out too far because I yeah. couldn't see. It was so many. I couldn't see how far back it was. Oh, right. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and that's that tough, too, when you go from. Helpful. Oh, yeah. Super helpful. That was, uh, I think, with some of the bigger rides, definitely, like, that's one of the hardest things to get used to is just kind of like that that spacing because right. you always have you're always going to have people who are going to push you forward. Like you have the the ten or fifteen people who are going to be riding ahead of you. They're going to kind of wait to see where you know Armando is going to take a left or a right, and then you know off they go again to the next block. And right. so you have to balance that with the person you can't even see who you have to theoretically plan for and like try to keep with you. And that's that's actually like more effort than it seems sometimes. Oh, At least yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the things that that takes people by surprise. At least that I've seen for like jumping into that type of position is just the overall um you, you know planning of that so yeah it's good for me having the ride at the end of the month like you were talking about having the right away and getting it over with mm-hmm. because it allowed me to go on all these rides and get a a, a sense of what they mm-hmm. were like and mm-hmm. what's going to show up and what, what people would ride like things like that yeah i mean i do the thursday night ride pretty regularly okay um, but i think the people that do thursday night ride do it pretty regularly so yeah. everybody knows how to ride they know what the game they plan know how to ride tnr yep Yep. Uh, although now it's in the summer, now it's getting bigger again, mm-hmm. and some of the uh, the helpers are actually using walkie-talkies and stuff to communicate. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Oh, for sure. Front. Oh, yeah, it's really nice. That was one thing I noticed for World Naked Bike Ride, too, was that, I, and I think it was mostly due to the changes in police enforcement oh, right. in terms of officers available to staff, but um, that one got a little bit more spread out than I've seen it in past. Okay. Um, so they actually, that was one of the things that I, I rode like right up to the front so I could let the ride leaders know. I was like, hey, by the way, there's there's kind of this like half mile gap on Sandy. Oh, wow. And so they work with the officers to actually close that gap. But I know in years past, you would have had an officer signaling pretty right. much at every turn on that intersection. So it was kind of a different logistical component for them than it was. Okay. That's my story. <laughs> <laughs> um. Should we do some headlines in there? Sure. All right. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city 
All right, our headlines for the evening. And actually, oh. I forgot our calendar sounder. Oh, yeah. It's not on our drive, so I can't use it. <laughs> this is but, our calendar. We should we should have you make a, another a impromptu calendar song. Well, we had one that was made by Tim Mooney of the oh, Battleship yeah. Project. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, so our calendar... Uh, is up first. All right. So on the second Friday of every month, we have the Indianapolis Bike Party. Those of you in the in, in Indianapolis area, without a uh, what is it, a open container law in okay. Indianapolis. So Interesting. You can drink in public without being hassled by the man. There you go. Uh, July fifteenth through sixteenth. That's this weekend. Is the Seattle to Portland STP? Yeah. How Either many years has STP been going on? forever yeah i need to look that up <laughs> have either of you guys done it no i've done it but not during the ride <laughs> you um, just did the route exactly yeah. yeah yeah my dream is and I've, I've pretty much said this every week now my dream is to like camp all the way up mm-hmm. for the stp and then like you know be in seattle when they take off and mm-hmm. then just ride all the way back down down with yeah yeah the only part that's a little tricky is a bridge for the crossing over ah. To Washington in Longview, and so it's only open during the SDP route. Oh, really? And they don't really tell you that if you're trying to just reverse engineer uh. it. So you show up, you show up in, um, I think it's St. Helens there, and then you're like, huh, I can get a ticket slash get arrested for going over this bridge. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, it's it's. I mean, I you can see why they would do it, but um, I'm getting off topic. <laughs> if you do do the STP, um, try to hit like Battlegrounds Vancouver first, and then work your way north at at that point. But ah. yeah, very good ride. On July 26th, we have the Eve 6 ride, hashtag yes. Afterpalooza. This is an Afterpalooza ride, I believe, organized by our Brock Dittis here. Oh, nice. Um, for fans of Eve 6 and cheesy 90s pop rock music, you oh. have a ride now. Excellent. <laughs> and July 29th is Python. If you like pies and music, um, and the Sprocket will be hosting or emceeing this event. Um, yeah. For August 26th, we have Cycle in the City Bike Party in Edmonton. Yes, that came to us this week from Glenn Kubish. Thanks, and Glenn. We'll link to our, or we'll link to their Facebook um, site there. From September 1st, we have Filmed by Bike in Petoskey, Michigan, Eugene, and Seattle, as well as. Um, Another oh crumb! I'm totally gonna butcher this. <laughs> Charlevoix, yeah. So Aaron, Aaron was supposed to read that line, but I, I know I'm understanding. I'm just the realization I'm just is gonna sinking sit in. Back and let it happen. I'm gonna go with Charlevoix, and please feel free to write in and tell me how I am wrong, um, and I'll and I'll work to correct that. Well, you know, I grew up in Michigan. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it's Petoskey. Petoskey. And Charlevoix. Charlevoix. There you go. <laughs> and I'll be the first to admit it when I'm wrong. So there there you have it. That's uh, all right. Um, and then October 6th is the MLX Challenge, the Allegheny Mountain Loop Cross Challenge. From October 6th through the 8th, we also have the Youth Bicycle Summit. Yeah. And that is your calendar. And now, here is for real this time. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. All right, from CNN Tech, via our friend Tim Mooney. 
Uh, quote, I think we got excited about this Chinese elevated bus thing a few months back. We got snookered. We got snookered. China detains dozens over funding of elevated bus project. This is actually kind of deliciously complex. Um, I read into this a little bit this afternoon. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And, and I, like, I'm, I'm impressed with how, how like, weird all of this happened. <laughs> Uh, but in essence, if anyone's seen that famous video, there's a over-vehicle bus that um, sort of made a viral video a few months back where they basically are driving over the gridlock of the terrain. And so apparently uh, the only time that this bus was ever used was during this essentially was for that video was for this video <laughs> and so you get the impression that this is going to be launched out you know various different cities and it turns out it's so it's a 26 foot wide vehicle actually looks like to be like fair super neat um but it only has a track that's about 200 yards and so they filmed it all on this 200 yard track and what's happened since that and since the video has gone viral did they have people like taking down the track and then putting it back together <laughs> no, ahead of the vehicle not that complex but that would be pretty that would be pretty cool um so they built it for this and it was uh looks like a, a source of collecting funding and then funding plus and sort of a, a shady um crowdfunding scheme that are apparently quite popular these days and so they used it as roughly a a viral front in order to collect all of this money and then basically ran off with it exactly (laughs) that's Um, a good idea so yeah that's never happened here in america i've never kickstarter has never been guilty of this happening and there are there are there are no laws on the book that prevent this (laughs) um so in that regard um i'm actually like i didn't I wouldn't say when I saw this video that it's necessarily the uh, future of transportation, but it's certainly an innovative approach. So I'll, I'll give him that. True. And, you know, so this one didn't quite work out. But who's to say, like, we can't actually take that idea and run with it, right? Mm-hmm. No, we can't do it. They ruined it for everybody. We, we can. We can only do it 200 yards <laughs> yeah. at a time. Right. And nobody can ever cross the street. That's true. Because the tracks yeah. are in the way. Ah, yeah, see? <laughs> Edge cases. <laughs> uh, so next up. From uh, OregonLive.com. Uh, and many of our listeners already know, but Oregon has just passed the only bike-specific bike tax in the country. Yes. Uh, on Thursday, the Oregon legislature approved an ambitious $5.3 billion transportation tax and fee package it's called house bill 2017 and it includes something that no other state in the country has a tax on and that is a tax on bicycles Um, this means unless opponents challenge the bill at the ballot or in court starting january 1st 2018 new bicycles with wheels diameters of 26 inches or more and a retail price of $200 or more will be taxed at a flat rate of $15. Hmm. And I'm sure everyone here at the table has some thoughts and feelings about it. Let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I, I, I definitely am trying to like look at the whole picture on this one, but right off the bat, it's a little bit ridiculous. I mean, it, this is kind of for me one of those examples of um sometimes you ride on this brand new like bicycling infrastructure and you ask yourself like did they actually ever ride this section 
Uh, oh, because... man. Anytime, like, there's a new bike staple put up, like, next to a building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's sort, of, with it's, a bike it's sort of got, like, like a little bit of that going it. on. Is like, what what part of that made, like, 26 inches for one. Um, like, why is that the standard? And also, um, another interesting thing is that the price of $200, I kind of wonder if there was any back channeling going on with maybe Fred Myers or some of the larger bike box industry stores. big boxes. Because yes. that's a very specific price point. Um, and so in a sense, I guess it's good that if it's more than 200 or if it's less than 200, that the tax is not being assessed. Um, but at the same time, I have to question who, who that $200 price limit is really helping and or hurting in terms of people. And it's a flat tax. That's so correct. So your percentage of, of your bike purchase is going to be less and less the more expensive of a bike that you mm-hmm. can afford. Yeah. So, so the more you can afford. If I, I mean, the less I'm not, tax you pay. I can't do the math in my head, but if I'm buying yeah. a $3,500 bike, that $15 is still $15, mm-hmm. but it's a lower percentage than if I were to yeah. buy something that I could actually afford, you know, a like is that, is that just five, $600 bike. New bikes, okay. mm-hmm. 26 inches. Mm-hmm. Inches, by the way. Yep. So... I propose <laughs> all bike shops go by metric. Mm-hmm. No one's the wiser. Yeah. And there was also some interesting uh, things that Tim Mooney pointed out as well as several yes. other commenters through various boards. You could, is a loophole you could ride a Brompton through. Exactly. <laughs> um, and not only that, there's a loophole you could also ride a 26-inch bike through uh, in that the 26 inches as measured at the physical wheel as opposed to adding the tube and tire um, ah, yes. is is smaller than 26 inches for many bikes. And so in that regard, um, yeah, plenty of interesting <laughs> language in this bill. Um, well, yeah, after you, Aaron. Well, it, again, like you said, does anyone who ride a bu- rode a bike like actually look at the law and how it was written? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, or maybe people who do ride bikes looked at that and was like, well, fuck them. I'm not going <laughs> to try to change it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It gets to that old... Uh, you know, sort of conflict between road use and 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 fair share and 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 paying for that fair share, where cyclists, for at least is is the case in Oregon, have paid for the most part Far more than more their than, fair share. Yes, in fact, uh, a disproportionate amount in 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 the most upteenth capacity uh, in terms of their impact on that roadway. And so, there's a couple of things in there with electric vehicles for the um, package that are a little will bit will now be subsidized essentially. Yeah, which are a little bit interesting there. Um, and then for the $200 or more tax, in terms of the flat tax, um, it's also interesting if you look at the people who will be most affected by this. And so anybody who's under $200 um, will be theoretically fair game. But I would actually argue that that is uh, sort of more of a negative externality than a positive one. And that in terms of where the bike world is situated, um, the ability or, or, or capacity to get into a certain category of price range actually prevents many of the issues which people who find themselves buying, you know, $120 to $150 bikes. Um, those are actually, in my opinion, more expensive bikes because they're easy to purchase at first, but due to them breaking down more quickly and due to them using inferior components, uh, it's been my experience yeah. that most people who can only, uh, you know, go in for that much of a bicycle end up paying more over time due to the maintenance. And so I think it's a real shame that the price point is set at that. And and uh, besides the whole conundrum of that even being a tax that we have to deal with. uh, (laughs) But I think it disproportionately affects people who are in categories of lower income and really relying on that price point to make a purchasing decision. Honestly, if it was like just a sales tax, Mm -hmm. if, 
if they like somehow and of course this would never fly because you know Oregon has never had a sales tax and probably never will mm-hmm. you know from but we have a bike tax. cold cold dead hands <laughs> but if it was if it was just a regular sales tax like thrown into this whole bill mm-hmm. i i don't think a lot of people in the bike world would have batted an eye mm-hmm. um you know and certainly like people from outside of of Oregon and Portland wouldn't be like giving us as much flack as mm-hmm. we have yeah. gotten. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, and that is that they have a fair point. Oh, I oh, think yeah. it's totally well deserved. Yeah. Um, you know, there's other states do tax bicycles. Mm-hmm. It's called a sales tax. Exactly. They tax everything else that you buy too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I but think the sales that, tax I think is a proportional attack. Yes, tax, it's a whereas, percentage. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fair in order to like generate revenue to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, w- what really gets me about this, and you know, it's it's sort of like my curmudgeonness is like, oh, it's the principle of it. Like yep. oh, this is sure. resentment politics at its finest, right here. For sure. You it's, know, it's not a bike people... tax; it's an infrastructure fee. Ah. Well, and that's that's another thing that that really scares me is. <laughs> but it's not a very big infrastructure fee. Well, mm-hmm. a million, right, a million but, a year is not going to get you right exactly a like lot of we've, infrastructure. I think someone did the numbers and. Uh, We've been spending like five million dollars a year uh, before this, mm-hmm. and you know, before "quote unquote" generating this million dollars mm-hmm. a year, and so now that we have this tax that's generating a million dollars a year, that is going to be our new budget yep. for infrastructure. Yeah, it's moving. I think it's moving the goalposts a little bit in terms of, of what that's offering at the state level and moving it backwards. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to um, so the tax is estimated to, and I'm just pulling this number off something I was reading uh, a little bit earlier this week, but it's estimated to cost about a hundred and ten thousand to administer. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So, so in reality, <laughs> uh, you're looking at nine hundred thousand versus uh, you know four or five million, and I'm, I'd love to be wrong on that, uh, but that's that's currently what oh it looks to be God. shaping up as. Um, although that being said, uh, and Michael Anderson, who is a uh, writer, I guest writer, everything he says for Bike Portland, so very aptly pointed out that overall, if you take this transportation bill circa 2017 versus any of the others that we've had in prior sessions, overall, it, it, it seems to be a pretty for, good bill. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to say that that necessarily should mean that we shouldn't uh, think critically about something like a bike tax in Oregon, uh, but that is to say that if you're going to look at that glass half full. Generally speaking, it, it could have been much worse. It could have been, but you know, having my foot amputated yeah. could also have been much worse. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> do you have any? Do you have any thoughts, Armando? <laughs> I think it's just silly. It's a silly, silly tax. Absolutely. <laughs> um, no, this is actually something on, I'll be eager to follow up as it goes through. Uh, I believe the governor tweeted that she is. Or has intention to sign it, and that was—I'm yeah. not sure because I haven't checked today—but it, it went to her desk either today or tomorrow. Oh, really? And, so, and I could be off on that, um, but it, it'll be interesting to see how it passes. And I think most interestingly, it'll be fun to see um, sort of that public reaction over the long term, and if we can actually sort of make progress back against that, because it's yeah, like you were saying, um, in terms of of politics and and like punishing one theoretical group of users over another it's just regressive in, in a, a very large fashion yes much like our art tax <gasps> oh shots fired yeah all right well we don't have silly taxes yet <laughs> yet but you know what we do have is a lag um 
loading the bumper music. Oh, that's way too soft. Let's try this again. We'll cut that part out. What we do have... We got mail. Hey, we got mail. Just a couple quick pieces of mail here. We have a tweet from Kevin V. Repeat anything enough times and it sticks. Great recommendation, Sprocket Podcast and the Beer Mongers, Southeast Division that and 12. Right. Our drink sponsor, the Beer Mongers, has Southeast Division and 12. Although I will admit, I did not get today's drinks from there. I was, I was lazy. I did not <laughs> ride my bike down there. But, but we appreciate them we, nonetheless. 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 Nonetheless, and I will pay double next month. <laughs> next. So we have Naptown Chris, uh, who tweeted us a video. This ride feels like the kind of ride and video that you would enjoy. Dot, oh, yeah. dot, dot. And I don't know if you're able to open up that link. I unfortunately you... am not. Oh, okay. So it links to, and this is cool. Then we'll put it on our website. Uh, it links to a Escape from New York ride, um, and this woman sort of filming herself doing it. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I it's like fifteen, maybe twenty minutes long. Um, so I didn't really watch the whole thing, mm-hmm. but I'll check it out. It it follows you know the movie Escape from New York. Okay. It like follows some of the plot lines in there. So it's like a quote unquote bike race, mm-hmm. but it's not really a bike race. It's very it's something up our alley where it's like it's fun, it's racy, but it's it's not a race, and mm. it's yeah, it's nice. following you know a, a cool cult movie. So we'll post that in the show notes if you yes. want to take a look, check it out. Um, last before we go, a ride that you want to see for after Palooza or next pedal Palooza. Hmm. The Jorts ride. Oh, yeah. I'm wearing jorts right nice. now. Yeah, that thing would be super fun. <laughs> have a jorts ride. It might not even have... It could totally be after Palooza. Next hot day, have a jorts ride. End it at the... Uh, so Friday? At the dock. Could be Friday. <laughs> it, if it could be uh, e- ecologically sensitive, I would love to see a sprinkler ride for after Palooza. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. So find all those parks, find the public sprinklers, figure <laughs> out the time, and then ride through all of them. Listener Edward gave me shit, both online and in person, for not ever doing the flat tire ride. What is the flat tire ride? Is that Yates, Edward? Yes. Okay. Um, So I conceived of this sometime last year and was going to do it this year and just never got it on the calendar. And so now I'm really, really planning this out to where it's going to be like part game, part education, part bike, bike ride. And... But the original, the original uh, sort of uh, uh, impetus is to sort of teach people how to how to change a, a flat oh, cool. on the fly. Oh, nice! Um, but like now, uh, like bike mechanic Olympics, but for beginners. Yeah, yeah. Um, you bring a bring an extra tube. Bring your your levers. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't have levers or a pump, like I'll have mm-hmm. one on me. But yeah. you know, bring those. And sort of hints on on how to change a tire. I might even show someone on, show, I might show someone how to change a flat with or patch a tube without even taking the wheel off. Nice um, tricks like that. But now I'm thinking, what if we do the ride, and I just, 
you know, at before the ride, I'll like have in a hat the type of flat that the person is going to get. Oh, okay. And then like at what point in the ride they're going to get this flat. So we'll have like multiple stops where, you know, everyone can sit and, and drink or like have a snack or whatever mm-hmm. while like, you know, we're all sort of learning how to change this particular kind of flat. Okay. Nice. How about a broken glass ride? Just call it the broken glass ride. That just was, throw uh, broken glass at each other. Oh, that, I mean. that, that was the eastbound lane of Burnside this morning. <laughs> oh, I heard some other uh, lane way out, out east was uh, oh, okay. totally full of broken glass. Somebody tweeted it this afternoon. Oh, really? Yeah, I almost tweeted it, but I was too busy today. <laughs> <laughs> this was out further. So. Do you think so? Do you think those are accidents? Or this one, I I would. I mean, not I necessarily would, accidents, but do you think it's like malicious or like just someone like breaking glass? If if I didn't see it happen, I'm, I usually go fifty fifty. Like I'm willing uh, to give that fifty percent, and then there's that other fifty percent where you're like, wow, that that bottle's just excellently positioned exactly within the contours uh, of this bike lane. Okay. And you have to wonder why there's no spray over into a different lane from yes. there. Um, but yeah, I mean, especially old old town Chinatown or downtown in general, I wouldn't put it out of the wheelhouse that somebody might have, you know, just had something else come up to. Uh, true. True. Well, I suppose this is the end of all things. Armando. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. For thanks for having me. In. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. And, being such an awesome Pedalpalooza documentarian. You know, you should actually film some of these. I started to, and and eventually eventually one day I want to do and a film by bike. there was a festival. <laughs> film. Uh, but I have too much fun. I don't want to work. <laughs> it's all work. It's work when you film that stuff. I think, I think we all feel that struggle. <laughs> That's okay. For those, for those that don't want the struggle, there's Pedalpalooza. You ready for this? I'm ready. All right. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at Stream PDX Community Audio Studio, thanks to the generous support of Open Signal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter at the Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Kurt Bird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to our sustaining donors, Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katrina Mellengard. Wayne Norman, Doug Robertson, Ethan Georgie. Justin Martin, Eric Iverson. Cameron Lean, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney, Orange and Purple, Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Jim Gooden, Eric Wise, Doug Cohen Miller, Todd Parker, Chris Gonzalez, Dan Gebhardt, who's Who a, a time, time traveler. traveler, Zoe Campagna, Dave Knows, Chris Smith, Christy Kaster, Caleb Jenkinson, JP Cooley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Patrick Archain, Sebastian Poole, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, I'll be home soon. Krista, John Wasserman, Andre Johnson, King of Division, Josh Zeeson, Richard G, Guthrie Straw, who's right next to me, Brandon Shelby, Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regranary, Campsite, Mac Nurse David, Kathy at the Cycling, Eating, Talking, or Cycling, Walking, Eating, Talking, (laughs) Nathan Bolton, Chris Rawson, Rory in Michigan, Michael Florney, Jeremy Kitchen, David Delais. Tim Coleman, Mr. T, Harry Hugo, Ed Whitman, EJ Finneran, Paul Culbertson, Brad Hipwell, Thomas Skato, Keith Hutchinson, Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam, Derek Wagoner, Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore, and Dennis O'Brien, and all of our former donors who helped us get this far. Now brush your teeth and go to bed. Uh-huh.